welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks such as as fruity bubblegum as opposed to the explosive kind. As always, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian Machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, I have a mission for you if you choose to accept it. How you doing today? I'm pumped. Let's go like jump off a building or something. I'm ready to to hang off helicopters. I'm ready. I'm ready to do it all. We're talking Mission Impossible Fallout today. Right away, just getting right into it. We're talking Mission Impossible. Now, David, it's been a busy uh, summer for us. It has. Sadly, sadly, unfortunately, it's okay. After all, this is a hobby. um, So you know, can't devote sometimes as much time as we'd like to. And one of the things that I think you and I both would have liked to do is to do a free refills podcast series on the Mission Impossible movies mm-hmm. leading up to Fallout. Can't do anything about that now. So Avengers broke us. Avengers, I mean, it did break. I mean, we did t- <laughs> like 20 movies. So Avengers did break us. But regardless, let's. I wanted to take this opportunity, and you did some research. You kind of... You know, put it all together again so that we could easily reference some of these things. But I kind of wanted to do a quick recap of the Mission Impossible series, focusing on some of the things. Now, you had several factors, a few key factors that you wanted to focus on that are that are like good barometers from each film. Yeah, well, you know, it's it's been 20 years, 20 plus years of, 20 of Ethan Hunt. Years. Quite literally running around the world, yep. trying to track down bad guys and stop the world from blowing up. And so for me, even just going into last night when we saw the movie, you know, trying to recollect over the course of 20 plus years, mm-hmm. all these films, they kind of blended together sometimes. I was kind of fuzzy on some of them. So I wanted to go back. I think probably people that are listening, uh, it, it will help to go back and kind of Go through it, but we also don't want to be on this for four hours talking about <laughs> six movies. That's true. So we're keeping it really simple. We're going to go the movie. We're going to talk about what the goal of that movie was, just to refresh everybody who the bad guy or bad guys or girls were in right. that film, and basically kind of a high level, what is this movie known for? I feel like every Mission Impossible has something that it's known for. Sometimes it's a stunt, sometimes it's a character, sometimes it's both. Sure. Um, but there's some things that I think like, you know, if you were to start talking about Mission Impossible, I'd be like, oh, it's the blank movie, right. you know? And I think that's how most people remember a lot of them. So we're going to go through that quickly, starting out with, the first one. The first one. 1996, Mission Impossible. Back back when remaking television shows, for some reason, and maybe I'm wrong here, but it, it feels like we don't get a lot of television show-to-movie adaptations as much anymore. But we did back then. We got Mission Impossible. You got The Saint. You got all that kind of stuff. So back in 1996, you got the first Mission Impossible coming out, starring Tom Cruise, huge, huge movie star at the time. Um... Peak Cruise. Peak Cruise. I mean, one could argue that Peak Cruise has, has, he's been Peak Cruise for at least at some point in all of the last three decades. Yeah. Like, he's had a moment where it's like, Tom Cruise is back. And so this one, he was the, he was Ethan Hunt. He's the young buck. And um, what were they going after? They were going after the knock list. Or, and and this one was directed by Brian De Palma, so it was way more. And that's the beautiful thing about this franchise is that they really do kind of take on the identity of their directors, and it's very much a Brian De Palma film. Very paranoid, very twisty, turny. Very. I remember a lot of people. I remember when I was it was ninety six, so I was ten when it came out, and I remember a lot of people talking about how. It was confusing. Mm-hmm. You didn't know who belonged to what allegiance or whatever. Um, but the knock list, the knock list was a list of aliases, all of the aliases of of undercover agents across the world. It's it's probably not the first time that's been used as the MacGuffin, as we'll call it. Sure. Um, and it's certainly not the last time it's been used as the MacGuffin. Like, I think they did that in, in a season of Homeland or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, that's what they were going for. Our villains, I believe two of your favorite. I think this, yeah. I mean, this is this is my favorite of the franchise still. Yeah. John Voight and John and ultimately Jean Renault. Yep. As well. 
what's so fascinating about this is John Voight played Jim Phelps. Jim Phelps was the hero in the television show. Yeah. He's the main guy. Mm-hmm. And they turn him into a bad guy for like that's some number one, if this came out now with the internet being the way it is. <laughs> Mass hysteria. Man, it'd be like killing off Luke Skywalker. And, and How dare <laughs> they? How dare they? I'm, I'm trying to think of like an accurate comparison to that. Like imagine if they made Firefly. Yeah. But Malcolm Reynolds turned out to be the bad guy. Or like... 24 movie and Jack Bauer and Jack was bad. Jack Bauer's the bad guy. Like imagine <laughs> that. That's a ballsy move. It is a ballsy move. It's a real ballsy move. And then, of course, his wife, um, Emmanuel, I, I don't know how to pronounce her name. I'm going to say Bear um, because she's French. So I'm going to throw a little French on there. Yep. Um, she's definitely somebody who turns out to be in cahoots. And then likewise with Jean Renault. And it's a movie where you can't trust anybody. Yeah. And it turns out at the end it's Tom Cruise. It's it's Ving Rhames. And they've been, they've been doing this ever since. Yep. Um, and this one is iconic for a number of reasons. I mean, the, uh, to me, the biggest iconic moment, and it's, uh, it's been replicated in some other movies. It's been replicated sometimes in this very franchise, (laughs) um, is the, the, the breaking into the secure vault, computer vault scene, the, the red light, the, uh, the, what is it? Uh, toast. 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 You can't, you can't, the temperature, the sound, everything. Yep. And having to repel in there and then stopping an inch off the ground and catching a sweat. That's iconic. Yep. That's what it's known for. But, but there are other ones. What are some other ones you got? Well, you know, it's got one of my favorite endings to any of the, we should recap like how they kill or how the mission is accomplished, How how it's accomplished, but you get the, they're on the train. Mm-hmm. You know, he fights John Voight, and then John Voight's trying to escape on the helicopter who John uh, Renault is, piloting. is yep. piloting. And you get the call back to early on in the gum. The gum. Yes. That we get twice is used in the movie mm-hmm. to explode the fish tank. Yep. When, great. Another great scene. Yep. Another great scene. Um, and then. You get it, obviously. He hops on the helicopter, front of the helicopter, and it's the red light. Green light. Green light. Smashes it Smashes it. And somehow explodes onto the train. Yeah, Um, the explosion (laughs) flies him on, like, launches him onto the train. Tom Cruise gets launched several times in this franchise (laughs) by explosions. He does. Um, Um, Fantastic. It always seems to make it out okay. I also found it enjoyable, going back through these, that we were stealing floppy disks at the time. Like, that's how he was getting the knock list off was... He had to do a couple of floppy mm-hmm. disks because it was. They were a little bigger was, than floppy disks. Was, they were ones with the CDs in them. Like yeah, they were the it was clear too ones. much information for one floppy. So you had to get multiple floppies. Yep. Uh, which Absolutely. just shows the sign of the time. But um, yeah, I think this one further defines what the rest of the movies are from this on. They're always a little bit heist movie. Uh-huh. Like there's some heist aspects of it, like uh-huh. the description of how we're going to pull off this. All those types of things. And the fact that... Like, and they're always full-blown action movies, too. Oh, absolutely. And and this one really, again, it subverted what people expected because Mission Impossible was always known as Jim Phelps and the team. And in the first 10, 15 minutes of this movie, the entire team is killed. And the team is not nobody's. It's Emilio Estevez. It's Kristen Scott Thomas. It's it's uh, John Voight. And they're all dead by minute 20. Yeah. So that that did was really effective. So we went from the subtle... Not maybe not so subtle, but the paranoid thriller with yeah. action movie moments of Mission Impossible to the John Woo, holy shit, this is definitely a late 90s, early 2000s action bonanza of Mission Impossible 2, or better yet, MI2. MI2. Which was yep. the best. And that's John Woo coming in, doing his John Woo thing. Um the the MacGuffin was the virus, the Chimera virus mm-hmm. that they're trying to get and release. I guess. I I mean, again, we haven't watched these movies well, one on one and well, one again. And, and and funny enough, the way that they get the Chimera or Chimera vi- Chimera uh-huh. virus, um, the bad guy in this, which is a 
tradition in the first couple films of basically IMF, IMF agents gone bad. bad. All these every time everybody's got an agent going bad. But it's played by Doug Ray Scott. Yep. Um, Fun fact: Before we get into this, Doug yeah. Ray Scott was cast as Wolverine. And had to drop out of being Wolverine because this movie went over budget. And I have to say, Doug Ray Scott, as he's found plenty of work in his life, <laughs> it's a shitty move. It's a True. real raw deal for Doug Ray Scott. Yeah, pretty rough. Um, but anyways, this starts out with him actually impersonating uh-huh. with that big... Ethan Hunt with the favorite gag of all these films every time is... The mask. So many masks are ripped off of this second movie. There the are second movie, like dozens. Of the them. second movie, they're like, "Oh man, it works so good with, with freaking John Voight yeah. and the train as the big reveal there at the end with Ethan Hunt doing it." That this one is literally like, where does Ethan Hunt get? Like he pins, he puts an Ethan Hunt mask on the henchman at the end. Remember? Yeah, yep. Yep. When the fuck did he have time to do that? Exactly. <laughs> That's when he talks about not only is he wearing a, a the henchman right. face, but he's got his face on the henchman, yeah, which was great. Yeah, um, Dandy Newton's in it as well. Yeah, uh, Anthony Hopkins is his boss. Yep. Um, we should also like list like how he gets the message because in the first movie it's the the movie on the plane. Well, this one remember the trailer basically plays that. Like, yeah, the trailer like is like. 40 seconds of just chop, one scene. A chopper shoots a missile to the mountain that rock Tom Cruise is rock climbing. On his vacation. Cool Oakley shades come out of the missile. He puts the Oakley shades on and it plays the mission in the screens. It's the best. While we got long flowing, you know, Tom Cruise long hair. The yep. only the only Mission Impossible with really long Really hair. long hair, Tom Cruise. I think it's also sort of long in the fourth one, but not a ton. Yeah, not not like this one. This one's like shaggy. Yeah, but yeah. We get the Limp Biscuit song. Why you want to hate me? <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> it's a John Woo film, it's so you know you're going to get some some doves. great things like you got the... Uh, the motorcycle battle. The dancing motorcycles, yep. 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 The dan- Even like, there's a lot of dancing vehicles in this movie because him and Tandy Newton have that car chase yep. where all of a sudden their cars are just spinning together. Yeah. <laughs> that motorcycle battle at the end that then turns into the battle on the beach is like peak John Woo. Oh, yeah. It's the most John Woo. Down to the kick in the sand, kick, kick the, the gun st- in the sand that pops it up and shoots the guy. Like, yep. yeah, he's, he has that, there's that scene where the knife comes really close to his eye. And this is like yet another example of Tom Cruise putting his life on the line, which is a theme throughout these movies. Cause that was a real knife rigged to a wire that prevented it from actually going in, but they could have done that 50 different ways. But Tom is like, no, I really want this eye scraping or this knife scraping my eyelid. It's nonsense. Um, third one. Mission Impossible 3, 2006. Yes. So six years, the longest gap we got in mm-hmm. between films. Mm-hmm. Um, but this one, the the MacGuffin or whatever you call it. Uh, yeah, the MacGuffin. That's a, that's, a ty- that's a tried and true story trope. It's, yep. it's known as the thing that people are trying to get. So in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the MacGuffin is the Ark. Yep. In... Um, shit, man. I don't know. The Terminator, the MacGuffin is the, the robot arm in the sure. ship that they're trying to get like that kind sure. of stuff. So in this one, it's the elusive quote unquote rabbit's foot. They don't even bother explaining what it is. No. They just need you to know that it's terrible. Well, you know what? It's, it's terrible, but guess what? It's Philip Seymour Hoffman time. Owen Davian. Yep. Best villain in the franchise. Absolutely. Hands down. And probably because it's the best actor that ever played a yeah, <laughs> villain oh, in the franchise. J.J. Abrams, this was, uh, you told me, I believe is correct, this was his feature film debut Yep. as a director. Um, funny enough, same writers, Alex Kurtzman and Robert Orkey, the guys we mm-hmm. worked with on Star Trek and all that. And one of the few of the series that doesn't open in, a, in an action sequence. It opens what we call in media res, which is at the, in the middle of a scene. Yep. And it's just like, I'm going to count. You're going to tell me where it is. And I'm going to count to 10. I'm going to kill her in front of you. Yep. Like what is happening? Yeah. So good. And that scene is super iconic. Oh my God. It's probably the most, the, the main scene that I always remember from this. Uh, uh, film. It's so good. Um, People forget though, like Carrie Russell's in this movie. Mm-hmm. Jonathan Rice Myers is part of the crew. Ving Rhames is back. Like he actually has a team. 
And the second one is not so much a team. It's like Tom Cruise, Tandy Newton, and like some other guy. Yeah. Well, we got Lawrence Fishburne in this one uh-huh. too. Um, As the boss, that's his boss. Yeah, yep. that's his boss. He gets kind of rotating bosses. It seems like each movie. Um, but this is also one thing about the first three movies too, where uh, the first three movies were all just done by Tom Cruise's production company, okay, uh, Cruise Wagner or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, I think they did. What was uh, they had their own production company? I don't know. The yeah, name. I can't They'd remember the name of it. it. But uh, anyways. Um, I mean, this movie for me... It is just Cruise Wagner Productions. Okay, cool. Yeah. This movie for me is all about film, Philip Seymour Hoffman. Absolutely. Like, there's not a lot of scenes that I, other than the Count to Ten scene, that like jump out to me as I think back through it. Um, they just lean so heavy into the greatness that was Philip Seymour Hoffman. He's, it's so, he's just so blasé about it. He's just like, like now I know your name. Like yeah. I'm going to find her and I'm going to kill her in front of you. Well, and the best part about it is like he's truly like like you find a way to make him seem like a worthy opponent to Tom Cruise sure. even though like it's Philip Seymour Hoffman. It's not like they're going to get in a fist fight. No, you even know, though in they this do. film they do get and in a fist fight. And that's when Tom Cruise wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh this is also a movie in which Ethan Hunt actually dies. Do you remember that scene? That's in, true, because they kill Carrie um, Russell at the beginning. Spoiler alert for Mission Impossible 3, I guess. Yeah. But Carrie Russell dies at the beginning because of the little explosive in her head, uh-huh. and they give the same thing to, to Cruz. Yep. And they got a... He does the whole thing with the defibrillator uh-huh. and, like, and he teaches... Bites. Teaches... Uh, what's her name? Michelle Monaghan. Michelle Monaghan. My favorite. I love Michelle Monaghan. Teaches her how to shoot the gun and basically dies... And then she revives him uh, back at the end. It's so good. Yep. It's the third one is is all of these movies are are really good in their own respect, and I think that's the point. Um, fourth one where we get rid of the twos and threes, and we're just going to go to subtitles now. Yep. And this one is this is when we start getting into these goofy ass subtitles. It's Mission Impossible. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. This is like, the hell is Ghost Protocol? I couldn't even tell you right now what Ghost Protocol is. Well, what it was in reference to... Okay, you know, you got it? Okay. Yep, yep. So what it was in reference to is, uh, I believe this is the one where it starts out in Russia. Um, He's in the Russian prison. Okay. And basically, there's nuclear bombs on the loose. And they basically... Ghost Protocol is where they basically... Distance themselves from all the IMF agents. Gotcha. They basically shut down the IMF and, like, you're all on your own. Gotcha. So it's like go and disappear, ghost protocol, um, until this all goes over. Because they get framed, basically, for whatever happened in Russia and the bombing of the Kremlin. That's right. So And they're hunting down the guy Cobalt. Yep. And Cobalt is played by Michael... uh, I'm going to fuck this up, but Nykvist. Nykvist. um, Who is... Who's big in big in Norway? Big yep. in big in big in the in the in the uh, in the Sweden area, Norway, and that whole area. And he plays. Um, they're looking for this guy named Cobalt, and he's just he's just a crazy guy. He he he's just um, God. What is he? He's a damn like Russian Norwegian um, like nuclear physicist or something yep. like that. Who just wants anarchy. Yeah. Right. Well, and you also got Leah Sado. I'm yeah. Um, Leah Sado. Big to be she's a She's the arms girl. dealer. Uh, what everybody remembers her in this film probably is probably the most famous scene from this movie, which is the fight in the du- really high, like 119th floor in Dubai. Uh-huh. Um, where you get kind of in and out and she ends up going out, uh-huh. um, before the end of it. Uh, also, this is when Jeremy Renner joined the franchise, and that's always what I remember about it. Yeah, um, we got Jeremy. Well, Jeremy Renner, Jeremy Renner joined Simon Pegg. We didn't mention joined in the third one. Third one, yep. We brought Ving Rhames back. We got Paula Patton in there. Mm-hmm. Another thing, Tom Wilkinson played the high, the head of the IMF, and then was killed. Yep. And then we get Baldwin as well coming in. If I well, if I, in the beginning of the movie, Baldwin's trying to shut him down. Shut him down. Right. Yeah. Right. So Baldwin's actually not in that role of being head at IMF. I think he was in the senator. Yeah, he was a he was a. a guy. He was in the go- one he of the government one of those guys. guys. Yeah. But yeah, the ultimate goal is just he wants to just set off a nuke. He was sent a nuke to I believe it was going to San going Francisco. to San Francisco. Yep. And 
That's the one where it ends in the parking garage. The parking garage is like an Asian parking garage where he throws the guy off the thing and then the car smashes on him. Like it's it's probably the least memorable, I think, of the of the series, which is a shame because it's Brad Bird directing it. Yeah. Well, they invested everything into the device. That's true. <laughs> I mean, it, aside from that whole sequence, and again, that's a perfect example of like we're gonna escalate from this this whole building thing to us. I'm going to outrun a sandstorm to all that <laughs> stuff. Like really great, great action set pieces, but just the, uh, you and I firmly believe in having a strong villain. And I feel like this one probably has the weakest of all the villains, despite the fact that Nyquist is, you know, and probably everybody knows him best from John wick. Mm-hmm. Like that is not just anybody that man is John wick. John Wick is who you send to kill the boogeyman, like that guy. Like he's he's nailing it in John Wick. Unfortunately, he doesn't really get as many good lines in this sure. one. <laughs> the fifth one, going along with the great subtitles, is uh, Mission Impossible: Rogue Nation. Yeah, which that's... we brought on Christopher McQuarrie, uh-huh. who has is the only once we get to Fallout, the only two time director of the franchise, McQuarrie. You guys have known Macquarie for, you know, I mean, what's the best thing that he's known for? He won an Oscar for writing The Usual Suspects. Like, that's pretty great. Um, He wrote Valkyrie. He directed The Way of the Gun, which is one of my favorite underrated movies. Mm -hmm. He directed the first Jack Reacher, and then he did this. Yep. And, um... The uh, the rabbit's foot, so to speak, or the uh, the the MacGuffin, so to speak, is ultimately just taking down the syndicate. It's the syndicate themselves, and the syndicate was actually something from the television show. That was there. It's like Cobra to to IMF's GI Joe. Sure. Um, and so they're going after the syndicate. We got to take them down. Mm-hmm. Love it. Great, amazing action sequences. Get Sean Harris, and then you got the Jen, Jen Hulton. Hulton. Basically, his nickname was the Bone Doctor. I don't know if you remember that. Yeah, it's always a good one. Um, I always remember from this one that uh, fountain scene when basically Ethan, like, free falls into the middle of the fountain. Yeah, um, um, but it's it's, into the. uh, It's not a fountain. It's it's like a water intake because they got to get into this server room, which is in this underwater thing. Yeah, and he's got to hold his breath yeah. and go in between the different things and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Great sequence. Uh, you also get the one that was in the the previews or the trailer for it with the plane scene mm-hmm. where he jumps on the plane. Um, and just hangs on. I'm going to hang on. Hangs on while uh, Done in Benji's real life. trying to open the door. <laughs> I love this scene. I love this movie because it introduces Ilsa Faust. Played by mm-hmm. Rebecca Ferguson, who is just a badass. Sure. She's fantastic. And I love the whole sequence with her in the opera. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because the opera is so... The music's so good, and the fighting on the gangplanks and stuff is so good, and you mm-hmm. don't know where her loyalties lie. It's really... It's it's great. It's We're starting to get real good here. Um, and then that leads us to Mission Impossible Fallout. That's what mm-hmm. we're here to talk about now. And again, we're going back to. I like how this one again. You know, you don't need anything crazy. What like what's why invent some crazy bullshit thing when it's just like n- nukes, three nukes. Mm-hmm. Like that's bad enough. Yeah. You know. And yeah, it's it's. I don't know. It's everybody's trying to get a nuke, but is is the Chimera virus really any different? Like, is it really any different? It's a weapon of mass destruction. It's all a MacGuffin. It doesn't matter what it is. Well, I think what they did was, I mean, that you kind of had two routes. You could go with Mission Impossible. Um, you could go the Bond route where you just get more and more absurd. Just a new villain who wants to take over the world. A new villain who wants to take over the world does crazy things like think Pierce Brosnan days when like each time it seemed more ridiculous what they were doing. Um, Or you could just stick to, it's not as much about, you know, what the bad guy's doing. Like they're just bad guys. It's more about like the layers of deceit and deception Mm -hmm. and all that kind of stuff, as well as obviously the fantastic action sequences of Tom Cruise. Which, again, well, I'm just going to, I mean, before we get into, like, because we're not going to talk about the bad guys, and you've seen a lot of stuff in the trailers, and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. 
But right off the bat, Mission Impossible Fallout, very, very close to the top of my list of the year for movies. I think it might just be... I mean, it is toe-to-toe with Black Panther right now. Wow. Which is... It is so... And I know... And I've been... And if you've listened to the last two podcasts, I've been trying to cut down on my language. Gotten some feedback from some family (laughs) members, some people close to the podcast saying that I say... I curse too much. But Mission Impossible Fallout is so fucking good, and I'm not going to apologize for it. It's so good. It's so good. It's so intense. Everything about it is awesome. Everything. I well, it's and, great. And the secret to it may be, and Rotten Tomatoes actually came out with an article on this. Oh yeah, we the, definitely got to talk the, about the it. The secret may be, Tom Cruise runs like crazy in this movie. More so, than any, possibly more than any other. So he if, runs so much. If you're familiar with Tom Cruise movies, you got to be familiar at this point with his run. He like runs. he's got a very distinct run. He, runs he always looks like he's. Barely able to stand up because he's sprinting so fast yep. every time. Um, we should have gone through each one of these movies for each time Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise runs away from the exploding fish tank. Right. I don't remember Tom Cruise running in Mission Impossible 2 very much. Um, Tom Cruise runs. He's running through the Chinese village in the third run. Yep. In the fourth one, he's running through the Kremlin and stuff. In the fifth one, he's, I don't, I can't even remember. He's doing all <laughs> kinds of running. This one, he runs so much. Oh, in the yeah. fourth one, he runs from the sandstorm. He basically runs across, I think it's London. London. The entire city of London, it seems like. But miles. <laughs> Rotten Tomatoes, check it out. On their site, they actually did an editorial and they actually broke down his running in movies. And, okay. and we're not gonna get too off track. But basically, if you go through his movies, the more he runs, it seems like the more, especially in box office, the better the movies do. As well as <laughs> even their rotten tomato meters. There's seems a correlation to be between distance ran and and but we'll, of film. but we'll go with this. We'll just tell you his top 10 movies so we don't go down too far of a okay. rabbit hole. But probably good. they calculated in Mission Impossible 3, which is his top one, which, again, I think he runs further in this movie than Mission Impossible 3. He ran what they estimated on screen 3,212 feet. Um, basically, okay. they estimated that he's running six-minute miles when he's running, which I think he's actually probably running faster. Um, well, you would know. You're a track coach. It's true. Um, but... This is just his on-screen, too. And that might hurt him a little bit in this movie because, like, if you see on the map how far he goes in this film at one point. He goes a long way. And you do get mostly running. But 3,212 feet is the most he's run. But second was Ghost Protocol, third, War of the Worlds, fourth, Minority Port, five, The Firm, which you wouldn't really expect from, like, a a law movie that there'd be a lot of running. But there's a lot of running in that movie. Interesting. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow... Jack Reacher, Never Go Back, The Mummy, also running through London. Yep. Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and Vanilla Sky. Is, Interesting. Rounds out the top ten. Okay. So there's, I, I would say like, I would consider like eight out of those ten to be reasonable successes. Yeah. Well, and this one is 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's the tracking highest, to be. I think, let me let me do a quick check here. I'll uh, I'll come back to this, but... Definitely one of Tom Cruise's top films from a Rotten Tomatoes standpoint. Sure, um, it is. It's the it's the it's highest his highest rated film, and it's the highest Mission Impossible. The first one was sixty two percent. The second one was fifty seven percent. The third one was seventy. Fourth and fifth both got ninety three, and this one's got ninety eight out of two hundred and twenty reviews, and it's tracking to have the biggest opening. Of the franchise. And this is a franchise that has remained relatively steady. It's it's really hovered between that 300 million, 400 million to 700 million, you know, standpoint. It's crazy to me that Tom Cruise's biggest opening of all time is 64 point something million for War of the Worlds. Like he's never been that hundred million dollar opening weekend guy. Yeah. yeah. He's got legs because he, he runs does. a lot. Well, and you know what? This this was able, to, unless it goes down, which it sometimes does on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes as it's out for longer. Sure. But before this, his highest rated was 96% Risky Business, um, which was a little surprising to me over films like Jerry Maguire, obviously, yeah. um, you know, Eyes Wide Shut, Magnolia, point. Minority Report, Last Samurai, 
Um, there's a lot of good movies of his. I gotta um, rewatch these movies because they're telling me that like Alec Baldwin didn't show up until the fifth one. I thought he showed up in the fourth one, but I don't. Anyways, I don't remember. <laughs> I gotta rewatch these, but it's so good. And Tom Cruise is so good. Mm-hmm. And this again, like going back to everything, like Tom Cruise is willing to kill your kill himself, borderline kill himself, put his body on the line, unlike any other action star ever. Maybe Buster Keaton going all the way back to the silent film stars who did crazy shit. Sure. Like the stuff he does in this movie and the stuff he's done in all those previous movies, to me solidifies him at least consistently speaking as the as probably our greatest action star maybe of all time. I I I think it's uh it's definitely he's definitely in consideration for all time. I think definitely of our generation. I think the only person you could truly put in his ballpark from a from an action standpoint would be Keanu. Um and I think the reason Cruz is just on another level is his ability to like actually act (laughs) beyond like the physical, not to knock Keanu too much, but like he's never been known to be the greatest from delivering lines perspective all the time. Sure. Um, And And the thing is, is like you go to like a, I don't even know what to pull this list of, but like I just Google greatest action stars of all time. And he's not even on the first eight on Google. He's not even in the first 10. Well, and I think the thing that hurts Cruz as far as being considered, the like one of the greatest action stars of all time is that people go a lot of times to some of his other films like like the risky business like the you know top guns the not that top guns isn't you know action as well but sure. like you don't really think of it as like an action star movie like people want to think like Arnold Schwarzenegger Ram, you know and yeah Mel- Stallone well, Mel and Mel Gibson, Gibson. Jackie Chan yeah. like they but I'm on like Ranker like and rankers just votes and it's Arnold, Sly, Bruce Willis, Clint Eastwood, Bruce Lee, top five. Yeah. Tom Cruise is twenty one, behind I, John Wayne, Charles Bronson, Sigourney Weaver. Like, excuse me, but in terms of like performance versus versus stunt work versus passion for the craft, like, can you really tell me? That Jean-Claude Van Damme is number 11 over Tom Cruise. I love Jean-Claude Van Damme. I think people just go to, like, what types of films do you do? And, like, all Jean-Claude Van Damme does is action movies. Jean-Claude Van Damme All that Jackie Chan does is action movies, pretty much. So it's like, I think people go straight to that. And I think if you're evaluating it just purely on that, then, yeah. I mean, he's not the biggest action star of all time. Right. But if you're going on, like the job that he does when he's in the film, both from a acting standpoint, as well as like the actual execution of the action mm-hmm. scenes, it's pretty tough to, to argue that he's not. Cinemaholic has him at number six and the top five are Jackie Chan, Clint Eastwood, Bruce Lee, Sly and Arnold. Yeah. But like even Sly and Arnold aren't putting together. Sly's pretty good. I'm not going to lie. And Arnold is, is, uh, is very very easy to argue. But, but think, but think about all the movies that they're known for. Like Arnold and Sly were in some pretty terrible movies. Yeah, like exactly. yes, they were action movies, but like they're not good. But like, movies. what's Tom Cruise's worst movie? I think we were saying we were talking about this last night. I like, mean, according to Rotten Tomatoes, it's cocktails. Cocktail, <laughs> but like, but I'm talking like Night and Day. Nobody really remembers Night and Day. Yeah, you know that was during one of his off periods. Yeah. The second Jack Reacher movie isn't great, but is it as bad as Schwarzenegger's worst film? Like, probably I, not. <laughs> I, is it? Is it? Worse well, and is than, anybody going to actually call Schwarzenegger like a good actor? Like, yeah. I mean, that's pretty pretty tough. I think you it's can argue tough. that Sly is a good actor. Obviously, that's evidenced by some of the things that he does. Right. But he also plays pretty much, and I guess Cruz to some point plays a similar character in a lot of his films sure, too. But sure, but this one. But I think the trump card that Cruz has. And this is where we keep coming back to you, Christian Bale. Tropic Thunder. Self-awareness. Played played a phenomenal, memorable role in Tropic Thunder. Yep. Like, Tom Cruise, and I I stand firmly behind this. The worst part about Tom Cruise is he believes in some weird shit. (laughs) Like, some really weird, off, 
the off-world nonsense, okay? And far be it for me to criticize what anybody believes, fine. Like, we'll all square up at the end and figure out who was closest. But in terms of, like, in terms of being a gen, gen, general nice dude, like, he signs and takes every picture at the red carpet. He puts so much love into, and passion into his craft. And ever since the whole Oprah couch incident, which... <laughs> You know, we've all been in love before. You know, we've, it makes us do some stupid shit every now and then, like jump <laughs> on couches on national TV. I get it. But ever since then, it feels like he's become so much more self-aware. Mm-hmm. I mean, even on his Twitter handle, his Twitter biography or his Twitter description is like running for you in movies since 1983 or yeah. whatever it is. Like he gets it. Yeah. He gets who he is and why people come to see him. And and he is unsatisfied when he lets the people down. Like he's angry and disappointed when he lets the people down. And that's that's crazy. And and again, you look at the returning cast in this film. You look at the Ving Rhames, Simon Pegg, Rebecca Ferguson, Sean Harris, Michelle Monaghan, Alec Baldwin, like there this there is more returning cast members in this movie than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. Think they come back if Tom Cruise is some type of gigantic asshole? Like, no. I severely doubt it. Now, sure. granted, a paycheck goes a long way. Yeah, but no, I I think you know, and especially from a cast standpoint, they've been. This is one of the few ones that you know obviously carried over a ton. Right, but that's kind of kind of like a sequel. That's much essence. more of a sequel than the other ones are. Like you said, the other ones have all been like Bond movies where yeah. it's the next adventure. Yep. This one has very close ties. Yeah, it's got ties to not oh. only this movie but movies from the first one, beyond the third that. one. Yep. yep. Yeah. So a lot of ties to the the past of of Mission Impossible as a whole. So let's get into like what we actually thought of this movie though. It's amazing. Um, it's the best of the series. We've already heard from Rick a little bit on that. What do you think? You so you're calling it the best of the series? It's the best of the series. It's it is a, a different film than Mission Impossible One. Again, like you go back to that sure. vault scene. That is a scene that is filled with slow building tension, where you're just white knuckling it because the scene is playing out so slowly. It's a different type of tension. But this movie is so relentless in its action and its tension and the way that it builds upon the action, the way that one scene turns into another. Like, this movie has a breakout that turns into a truck chase, that turns into a motorcycle chase, that turns into a conversation, that turns into a gunfight, that turns into a a foot chase. And that's, like, like, it's amazing. Yeah. I think the reason why the first Mission Impossible, and this is a great, we always somehow come back to this whole topic in lots of our podcasts. But I think the reason why maybe this movie is your favorite, and for me, it's probably number two. Okay. um, And my favorite is the first one. Interesting. Is my favorite part about the Mission Impossible movies always are the twists and the things that I didn't see coming. Yes. Um. And I like going into it not knowing it. Like right. like you said, I had to watch Mission Impossible, the first one, like a second time to really figure out what was all going on Absolutely. and what all happened. Um, this film, between the previews and just common sense and mm-hmm. watching the film in the first 10 minutes, like you pretty much figured out who the bad guys were in this film. Sure. Um, not that it didn't have some fantastic twists, and it does have its fantastic twists. Yes, um, it subverts that expectation. Which is why it's number two for me. Sure. Whereas, like, the first one, like, you go from, like, thinking everybody's dead, like thinking John Voight's dead. Right. Um, suddenly he's alive and he's pretending that he was like, oh, I survived. <laughs> yeah. And then you find out that's bullshit. That's bullshit. You find out that the uh, his wife that he's been hanging out with she's has a, also been setting up and narc. playing him. Yeah. Like you get Jean Reno, who is part of his crew. Who and who always... was involved all the way at the beginning. Yep. With the knife. Like, Exactly, like all these things like come back together into pieces, and like for me, I love that, especially because I'm someone that like doesn't know what's happening sure. and coming up in the film, and like being surprised by that kind of stuff. Um, whereas this one seemed like, while I could guess who were the bad guys and those types of things, it did still have that element of surprise, but it was more about to me like some of the other stuff, like the performances, 
the 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 action and those types of things. Listen, they got me a little. This is one of four movies that have made me actively sweaty in the movie theater. And yep. maybe it was just hot in the movie theater. I don't know. But when I saw the first Avatar, that was an experience that made me sweat. When I saw um, when I saw Gravity, I sweat. Like I had to unbutton a button. It was so intense. When I saw Mad Max Fury Road, I was sweating. When I saw this, I there was an active point where I was like, like, I am damp. Like my arm like I am perspiring right now. It is so intense. So this reaches hallowed ground for me. Sure. Um, it's phenomenal. It's it's just fantastic. Um and we're gonna have to talk more about it. Do we need to do it on this? Do we need to start ranking movies on a sweat scale? Yeah. For you? So, so actually, it's funny you mentioned that. So, before <laughs> we get into spoilers, it's actually probably a good thing to mention is like, that's how I, like I go see like a Ready Player One, and I'm like, yeah, that's really good. I really enjoyed it. Or I go see like Infinity War, and I'm like, yeah, that's really really good, and I really enjoyed it. But there are certain movies that take it a notch above, and and there are two factors in this. And I think I've told you this before. Number one, obviously, is the sweat factor. Like, are you getting my? Are you physically affecting my body, my heart rate, the the stress levels in my body? Like, that's big. But number two, are you getting me to audibly react to your movie, and not laughing at a comedy? I'm talking about like. When John Wick comes in and starts capping people and you're just like, oh, 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 no. Like, you're just like, this is so great that you can't help but just be like, yes. That's a huge factor for me. And I did that at least four times in this movie. Yeah. So. Well, I think for me, um, before we get into our spoilers, I have one question for you. Okay. Because this isn't a spoiler. Okay. Was Henry Cavill's mustache worth it thousand percent if you guys don't know this (laughs) they actually had to in justice league now that's some dumb Uh, cgi a lack of mustache um on on henry cavill because he was also filming this yeah and he had a glorious beard and mustache and he had a mustache so there's some there's some scenes in justice league where it looks a little weird uh, his he, upper his lip. His face doesn't look right. Now, I don't blame Henry Cavill for this, and I don't blame Mission Impossible for this. I blame Warner Brothers for, oh, absolutely. for, for bending the knee. <laughs> like, this is a completely unreasonable request to make. It's so stupid. And they let... Um, who I don't know who produced this. Paramount? They let them get away with how it. Do you, how do you get bullied by Paramount? I don't know. It's Tom Cruise. I guess. Tom Cruise bends up. So for, for our popcorn diet, again, the popcorn diet ratings, we have burnt popcorn, which means don't bother. We have stale popcorn, which means like wait till Netflix. We have microwave popcorn, which is like, listen, you could rent it. You go, go see it at a dollar theater. You'd probably be fine with it. We have movie theater popcorn, which is you should probably go see this on the big screen. And then we have perfect popcorn, which is definitely go see this as soon as possible. 100% this is perfect popcorn. This is one of the best action films of the year, one of the best films of the year, one of the best action films in a long, long, long time. Yeah, I'm with you. Perfect popcorn for sure. Definitely got to go see it. Sooner than later. And so before we spend a little bit of time on spoilers, we do obviously want to remind you that you can just hit that subscribe button at any point in time, wherever you're listening to us, and get Popcorn Diet Podcast to your ears for free by subscribing. Do us a favor, like, give us a rating, give us a subscription, give us a comment. We love to hear from you wherever you're listening, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Check us out on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet. We just tweeted out some big Star Wars news at as of the taping of this, so that's where you can find some latest news there. Uh, not that we found out the news, but we we heard the news and decided to share it. And then, of course, you can find all of our episodes and all of our reviews and articles at popcorndietpodcast.com. But David, I want to talk about in the spoiler section here. Um. I, I do want to talk about how this film subverts those expectations because, again, it, it is literally pretty early on. I'd say it's in the first half of the movie where they beat the shit out of that guy in the in the restroom, which is an amazing fight sequence, mm-hmm. brutal as hell. Mm-hmm. And we see that his phone is all damaged. And then later, Henry Cavill goes to his boss and hands her the perfect phone. Sure. 
And I'm like, well, you know, then Henry Cavill's not on the up and up. Listen, I mean, you can tell just from the previews that. Yeah, Henry it's got Cavill's- Henry Cavill shooting at Tom Cruise. Who cares why? You know that they're button heads. Yeah, they're button heads, which it's pretty doubtful that they're going to butt heads and both be on the same team. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's pretty early that you know it, but they do a great job. I mean, I leaned over to you shortly into the film where it's right. like, I'm pretty sure I got this film got figured, this out. figured out. But the best part was, is that it made you think that he's playing the IMF team, but in reality, IMF is with you the whole step of the way and they fool you just as they fool him. And that's like a layer on layer tr- uh, twist sure. that I loved. Yeah. That scene in the basement in Lon- London, London, the London catacombs. Um, yeah. That scene in there is is to me the best scene of this movie. There were like four twists that happened in that scene. Yeah, easily the best scene of the movie. Obviously, it's a Mission Impossible movie, so you got to incorporate a good old mask because uh, every movie's got the mask. Yes. Um, so you get that with Benji playing um, Solomon as Solomon uh-huh. Lane, but so, you don't know it's Benji until like. Yep. He realizes it, and then they catch him. Well, and I want to go back and watch it because they made a point of um, having them sit back to back. Yes. Having Solomon Lane and Benji as Solomon Lane yes. sit back to back. And I wanted to check because he's facing the way that the actual Solomon Lane was facing, I right. feel like. Um, so obviously either they show it on screen and I missed it or it's just assumed that they made Benji the switch. switches and turns his chair around sure. at some point in there. Sure. So, um, but either way, got to see if you can keep him honest. Yeah, but either way, that that scene is is my favorite. It's my most memorable scene out of there. It's so good. Um, and then, do you think when uh, and then when you think that like okay, they got Henry Cavill. He's he's John Lark. Like then Henry Cavill's like, do you, are you sure you got me? And then the guys on the team are yep. bad. And then they're like, oh, my God, it's so good. On the on the topic of Henry Cavill. Yes. So he's awesome. he's really, in essence, the the main bad guy in there. Yeah. Even though you bring back Lane. And, and Lane, at the end, I would say, is more of the bad guy than, than Cavill. Yeah, it's your Darth um, Vader emperor type setup. Exactly. Um, this was just a random thought coming back to the mustache. Okay. Without getting us all over the place. <laughs> Do you think they went with the mustache purely so he didn't look like Superman? I don't know. That's a really good question. I thought that the mustache was way more of a character choice in that he's a hammer. This guy's not refined. He's okay. a blunt instrument. And you see that not only in obviously his methods, like he is literally just a brute. Sure. Who's no there's no finesse. He's beating the shit out of everybody. He's he's Loading his arms For up. Sure. And I think you see that not only in his obviously physical, the way he handles the physical situation. I think the facial hair is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't got time to shave. I don't got, I'm, you know, this is bullshit. Um, it's also in the way he dresses. Like he wears, for the most part, like what appears to be like a very drab suit, like just a basic brown suit. It's not really anything exciting or flashy or sure. anything. And he's sweating through it and stuff. And I think that all just builds the character that August Walker is just, he's the hammer. Yep. You're a scalpel. He's the hammer. Sure. Um, if I mean, it would have been interesting to see him fight as, as a clean-shaven Superman-looking guy. Yeah. But I really think that that scruff no, I is liked part it. of the character. I liked it. Um, all right. Well... I feel like every Mission Impossible movie is about stunts. Um, <laughs> yeah, you think? <laughs> like, yeah. you can't have a Mission Impossible. Like, if you didn't have crazy over-the-top stunts, um, it wouldn't be a Mission Impossible movie. Of course. So what are what do you what is, in your opinion, the top stunt from this movie or top stunts from this movie? Well, I will first say that I don't know if anything gets to the Dubai Tower. Like, that is yeah. one of the greatest movie stunts of all time. And the fact that Tom Cruise did it is insane. But there are at least five things in this movie that are really close. Tom Cruise does a halo jump, Mm -hmm. and it's all shot in camera. Not only does Tom Cruise do a halo jump, but the cameraman did a halo jump and filmed him doing it. That's bananas. Tom Cruise is is falling from helicopters and grabbing onto payloads hanging from underneath helicopters. That's crazy. Tom Cruise learned how to fly a helicopter in 30 days so that he could film 
the last helicopter chase sequence and did a lot of those dips and dives. And a lot of the times, like, they cut to a camera hanging off the side of that helicopter shooting in. Tom Cruise is flying that motherfucker. Now, it's probably not really on fire. But it's also probably not always up in as close to the mountains and those types of things th- as they go. I think, no, I mean, obviously they, they, I mean, they did one shot where the mountain like skims the, or the, the helicopter skims snow off the top yeah. of the mountain. But if you watch the behind the scenes stuff, he's diving down into valleys and pulling up and doing that stuff. Sure. That's amazing. That's crazy. Not to mention the, the jump that broke his ankle, which the mm-hmm. shot is in the movie. Like that's in the movie. And what's funny is that's the bottom of the list yeah. of, of things that he did for real. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the top stunt in this movie is, it's gotta be the halo jump for me. That's, cr- that's just bananas. Now I do think that the lightning and the storm obviously was added. Sure. Um, the helicopter stuff is amazing, but I leaned over to you when they opened the back of the helicopter or the, mm-hmm. the, the plane and they're just looking out through the storm. And I leaned over. I'm like, this movie's um, this movie's awesome. Yeah. Because it's just so cool looking. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, like, again, August Walker is just a big dumb bitch who's like, I'm going to just jump. And, oh, you afraid of little lightning? And then he gets, you know, hit and all that stuff. Sure. Like, it'd be re- It's going to be really interesting to go back and analyze this film and analyze his actions mm-hmm. as the guy who he is. And see, like, did he mean to do this? Was this on accident? Was he being a prick? And I genuinely think that that sequence was just he was being a prick. Sure. Like, um, and then he really got caught struck by lightning. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's mine. I'm going to pick, despite the fact that the helicopter and the fact that Tom Cruise did that, I'm going to pick the Halo jump sequence. I think it's crazy. Yeah. Am I forgetting one? Well, I think a lot of them, I mean, you've got the... It's a Mission Impossible, so Tom Cruise has got to be on a motorcycle at some point. Which is, he's, uh, yes, and that's amazing, because he's riding this motorcycle through London, and granted, not all the cars are probably there. Sure. But he's, like, hanging his foot off, and uh, it's just, uh, Tom Cruise is amazing. Sure. Um, I think my most enjoyable, even though it's not really a stunt, I guess, um, I like the halo jump. I also like the scene in the the bathroom, though, that you talked about the fight. Oh, um, brutal fight! It was such a good fight. Um, in and there, the fact that it was just two against one, and this guy's highly skilled. Like yeah. it wasn't them fighting an army of guys. Loved it. Well, and it's funny too, even learning the dynamic later that Henry Cavill's character Walker knew the guy, right? Because he was hired to impersonate him, right? Basically, yeah. Because they allude to that that you know, well, when he's Burying Ethan Hunt, which I feel like also a trademark of every Mission Impossible movie almost is at some point, in three or four of them, at some point, Ethan Hunt is framed as the bad guy. Yeah, he's got to go rogue. Like, not only... How many times has he gone rogue? Because he's framed as the bad guy in the first one, because they think... Well, not framed, but they think he's bad because he's the only one that survived from his team. And that Kittridge douchebag is after him. Yeah. The second one, he's framed at the beginning, but it doesn't really feel like it's... It doesn't really carry over for the whole movie. Yeah. Rogue Nation is all about (laughs) him being framed. Yep. uh, Which is why... Or uh, Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol is all about him. They're dropped. They cut the entire IMF. Yeah. Yeah. So... um, where do you where do you rank? Obviously, we know where you rank the movie all time. Yes. But do you think the stunts are all time? The stunts are phenomenal. Like the one of the reasons that this movie is so visceral is that so much of it is done in camera. Sure, that's one of the reasons that. Which is funny to me because Gravity was so visceral and that was all done on a soundstage. That just is, I think, testament to how good Gravity is. Mm-hmm. But like, same with um, Mad Max. A lot of that stuff is practical, and when. Things are practical, and you know they're practical. It heightens the tension. Well, and that's that's the thing, too, that I think why those lists about action stars take out Jackie Chan because he does his own stunts and has beaten the crap out of himself. Um, But take him out. And I don't know that there's many on that list that do as much of the physical – demands of what Cruz does like sure. that literally are endangering his life like plenty of them do like the actual fighting learn how to fight do all that kind of sure, stuff sure. absolutely but like there's not many that fly helicopters do halo jumps play with knives coming at their real knives no, coming hang at their off eyes of the largest like, building in the world free climb a rock formation in Australia or wherever the hell it was like, yeah like 
if you go and do some research into like the behind the scenes and like what in this movie is actually happening, right. not in like the safety of you know uh, CGI situation. And, and, yeah, or, when in, in, the safety is either CGI or a tiny little wire. Yeah, <laughs> wires that get removed in post production. The CGI is they just yeah. CG out the little quarter inch cable that is saving Tom Cruise's life. Yeah. That's it. I yeah. love that. Yeah. I so, love it. Uh, what's your favorite scene from the movie? It's, I mean, number one, so we've already talked about that, that middle action sequence. That middle action There's, scene, for sure. This movie's so fucking good, David. This movie starts with, like, a failure and then a double cross, and then we get a mask pull. Like, when they think they get that guy, they trick that guy who thinks he's watching a live Wolf Blitzer feed. Mm-hmm. And then it smash cuts to the theme, yep. which is, you mentioned it, like, it always does something cool, and then boom, we're into the theme. Did it. Nailed it. And then it literally is just, there's a little bit of exposition. This is August Walker. And then we're into it. That middle sequence with all the twists is so good. The The whole fight with the, 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 the bomb diffusing was so well done because it took the MacGuffin of a nuclear bomb, and we're just going to add more crazy shit to make it harder. I love the way Henry Cavill dies. Mm-hmm. Very reminiscent of... I, there was some cliffhanger flashbacks I was getting from that <laughs> with the helicopter hanging down sure, and then sure. fighting on the cliff. But the way Ethan just grabs that rope and the wench catches him in the head... Oh, so, so good. But I do think that my favorite scene has to be that middle sequence where it's like we're breaking out Solomon Lane. We're running from the police in a truck. We're going to get to the, the the motorbikes, but then one of the motorbikes doesn't work. So then I'm going to race from the police on the motorbike. Then I'm going to crash. Then we're going to get onto a boat. Then we're going to get Solomon Lane. Then, oh, shit, Henry Cavill's the bad guy. Then, oh, shit, the CIA guys are bad guys. And then, oh, shit, I got to run after Henry Cavill. It's so great. It's an all-timer. Yeah. It's an all-time 20 minutes. Yeah. Well, and I I, I agree. I think that middle scene, obviously, um, is my favorite. Um, but I think the thing that's great about these movies is we talked when we did the Ocean's 8 podcast about how the twists and turns seem too easy you know like they always seem to have an answer and it never really seemed to be in doubt i feel like in this in mission impossible movies and especially in this one you feel like oh crap like this isn't going to plan like right like how's how are they going to get out of this like even when you get the audible of uh what's her name from the previous film elsa elsa that's trying to kill Lane uh, when they're driving. Mm-hmm. And Cruz ditches the three of them, says get out of the car, does this whole driving thing. Like, he has a plan. Like, there's a plan for that. Right. Like, all that kind of thing. And so, like, you're always questioning, like, was that always part of the plan? Like, was it supposed to go that way? Like, just- even, even, like, when his motorcycle wasn't starting and, like, Cavill started getting way ahead, like, mm-hmm. you're thinking to yourself, like, oh, crap, like, now Cruz is going to have to lose the police. Right. But, like, he had a plan of, like, where he was going. He went specifically to that drain area. That aqueduct. Aqueduct, jumped in there, landed in the boat. Like, everything seems to be planned out. But <sighs> at the same time, like, you have that tension as you're watching it. As you said, you're sitting there sweating, like, wondering whether this is actually going to work out whether he's going to get there you know and i think some of it too is because you know um just like what was great about the new bond movies with daniel craig is like ethan hunt's never been one to not get the crap beat out of him like he's not like this action star that always seems to elude like sure getting beat up too bad like shit kicked out he gets the crap beat out of him throughout this and it's so good. And um, I, I would also, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention that this movie does get a little emotional too. <laughs> like there's some callbacks to the third film and the fourth film. And I love Michelle Monaghan. And there's some scenes when she shows up and you just see Cruz and Ethan Hunt just realize like, oh shit. And like you genuinely feel like these guys are terrified of not succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the conversations that they're having and the whole I'm so sorry and the conversation she says to him about how her relationship with him helped her be become who she is. Like I didn't I didn't roll a tear, but I got a little I got a little like, oh, okay, this is effective. I'm feeling it. It's getting a little dusty in here. Um, sure. And I appreciate that. Yeah. 
You know, that's something that you, again, that's why I put it up there with Black Panther. Same thing. Black Panther put a level of emotion that really wasn't there on uh, in, in many other Marvel films. Same thing is true here. There's a level of emotion there that's really, this movie's amazing. Yep. I, I can't wait to go see it again. I can't wait till I'm back home from travel and my family's back home for travel. I'm going to take them. This movie's so good. Go see it. Go see it several times. Are we going to see another Mission Impossible? Thousand percent. This mo- there's no way. There's no. Tom Cruise said he'll literally do these movies till he's dead. And whether or not they kill him on this set or he dies of old age at 130. Here's a fun fact just to wrap this up. Tom Cruise is one year older than Jack Nicholson was in A Few Good Men. It's crazy. Think about that shit. He's in his 50s. He's still 56 doing 56 years old. He's pushing himself. This is his franchise. So if nothing else, if Tom Cruise wants to stay relevant, keep making Mission Impossible movies. Um, but there's no way we don't get another one. Um, it's just, it's so good. I hope we get 10. If we got 10, that'd be great. <laughs> so, yeah. Is that, all, is that all you got? That's all I got. We're tapped out. We've hit the hour mark. We've hit that hour mark. That's Go see Mission Impossible. Go Fallout. see Fallout. Go see Mission Impossible Fallout. I'm telling you, it's really great stuff. Um, but, but again, before we wrap it up, as always, remember... You know, do us a favor, subscribe to the podcast. Wherever you're listening to us, you subscribe to it. We try to get one out every week, sometimes more. Uh, and it's free. It's free to come listen to us jibber jabber, be a part of our conversation. So wherever you're listening, like, rate, subscribe, give us a comment. Again, follow us on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet, and our website, popcorndietpodcast.com, has all of our episodes, old, new, all of our articles, reviews, editorials, whatever you can find them all there. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, this mission has been accomplished. I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. Execute. Execute. <laughs>